Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up, and welcome to episode number 22 of EST, the podcast for the church. We are so excited about um, you joining us. We are thankful that you are listening to the show we have a, a pretty interesting topic that we get asked quite a bit on, uh, whether it's through Twitter or email or something like that. We're asked quite a bit about the idea of hiring and or firing staff, how to do that, how to find them, what to uh, kind of say to them as they come in. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I do want to mention our Twitter, as I said, that is at, uh, you know, like at Twitter or whatever. I don't know how to say that, the beginning part there, but... Um, it's EST Church is how you find us on the Twitter at EST Church, and um, you can also let us know through the um, messaging. Mike is laughing at me because I say the Twitter. I don't know when I started that, but I can't not on say the Twitter. Twitter now. Yeah, on the Twitter. Twitters. It's a Texas thing. He and George W. That's uh, that would be Dude, sort of man. I love W. Uh, I love, maybe I shouldn't I, say that, I would but love I do. That. I miss that uh, guy. Josh, could you arrange for an opportunity for us to hang out with him? Uh, man, I mean, I could just go stand outside of Preston Hollow and wait for him speaking of did you did you see they announced this week he's going to be a speaker this coming year at the annual uh donors dinner for union university how cool is that that's that's pretty legit and sorry so, anyway I'm way yeah, off topic go ahead josh spiel. you know the interesting thing for this episode is sam is actually sitting in a it's a flex but it kind of looks like a minivan from totally looks like angling. a minivan yeah flex it is, is not a minivan of hiding a minivan it is it is a ford <laughs> Flex, and yes, I do have a hangover. So, um, wow, kind of wait a minute, we need him to explain this. One. Yeah, what kind of hangover? <laughs> Provides. I went questions. to I went to Disney yesterday with nine kids. Wow. Not all of them yours. Yeah. Not no no I don't have nine children <laughs> I have three, <clears throat> but my brothers, my brothers between them have three each six kids so yeah, we all we all went to Disney so I am uh, I am struggling with a Disney hangover. Um, and since there are nine kids in our house that we're, we're on spring break right now, um, the only place that I could possibly get away to do this podcast is in my wife's Ford Flex. So, yeah, this uh, podcasting thing, people think it's glamorous. It's not glamorous. It is anything but that. No. I've only had one cup of coffee, so who knows uh, how I'm going to be on Sam this is, Sam is not shaved today. He's chilling in his wife's minivan. But listen... <laughs> Props to, props, to for, props to him for rocking the podcast on his vacation, taking I mean, time from his kids I, and his wife and family. Actually, yeah. this might be relief for, for you, though. I'm actually in my PJs. It just yeah. That's all. I, I am, I am that guy Walmart, doing a podcast in his PJs right now. <laughs> You're ready to go to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't go to Walmart. I don't yeah. do that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's get to right, the topic. Justin, We're going to talk about. To fire both of us, Sam. <laughs> do, no, no. Let's talk about hiring and firing. Um, you know, we can understand and relate to those who are serving at churches that maybe don't have staff, don't necessarily feel the need to that. But we do want to open this topic up to volunteers as well and recruiting, finding them, and then setting expectations, those sort of things. So one of the biggest questions that comes in through our Twitter messaging is uh, how do you find 
staff. So that's a tough sell, I think. How do you guys find your staff? What are just some things out there? Maybe, I mean, we can all put it on the job boards, but how do you find staff? Well, if, it, if it was my dad's podcast, he'd say Vanderbloom and Search Group. Or actually, Jonathan Howe would say something about <laughs> Vanderbloom and Search Group. Yeah. But yeah. they're not a sponsor of our podcast, but we'll give them a plug anyway. Sure. <laughs> nice, guys. Yeah, so, so I would, yeah. Josh, I think um, we, we've mentioned this before in previous podcasts, but the single best source of, st- of potential staff members in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good situation is your church. It's members within the body, raising them up, developing them, and then bringing them on you know, in, in various capacities within the church. So our first place, that's at Brainerd, that's, we say this regularly. The, when a position opens up, our very first solution is to look internally and ask the question, do we have someone here who can step into that role? And I'll say this, I would rather take someone who has the right heart, spirit, and desire and gifting and put them in the position than I would with someone who has the requisite education and work experience but may not necessarily resonate well with our team and may not necessarily have proven character as far as we're concerned. In other words, I'd rather take someone who's unproven and coach them up than I would um, you know, go out and get someone who's really proven but may not fit well in our, in our co- context and culture. Yeah. Sam, do you have any other ideas out there? You know, well, obviously there's what Mike is talking about, training people up within, and, and I think that's extremely important. That's probably the first thing that you should be doing is training people up from within the body. But um, assuming you don't have that person who's ready, um, you know, I'm real big on my network. And by network, I don't mean, you know, multi-level marketing and stuff like that. I just mean people that I trust, friends that I trust, uh, acquaintances that I trust, people that are wise that I want to, you know, if I need to ask a favor, I can go to them. Um, So often when I'm looking for uh, a staff person, you know, I'm I'm putting an email out to 50 people. I'm I'm calling you know 10 or 12 people that that I know and trust, and, and just asking them because you know I've got blind spots. You know, I've got things that people know about me that I don't know about myself, and you know they may know more about you know who I need on my team than I even may know. So, and I would say I don't trust resumes almost at all. I am. Um, and in fact, the bigger the resume, the less likely I am to want to take a look at it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm with Sam there. I, it, when I was early on as a pastor, um, the first church I pastored was a very, very small church by vocational. We hired two by vocational staff members that I hired guys that I knew um, that I was going to seminary with, but people that I trusted. And, and it was their first time position as well, but it worked really well. When I went to the next church, which was a little larger and we were hiring full-time staff members, um, I did the whole open resume thing, and I don't care what the position or the pay was. I would get seventy-five to ninety resumes, bare minimum, if I opened it up online. That's and a minimum. Telling, Sometimes that's you can get as many five hundred. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. I mean, you get so many, you get inundated. And I'm telling you, if I get a resume, I'm looking for very, very, very small things, a uh, small number of things. I'm looking at where'd you go to school, where have you served on staff, and who are your references. And I want to see if there's anything I recognize so that I can pick up the phone and call somebody I actually trust and say, okay, do you know this individual and tell me what you know about them? And so I I don't generally trust resumes. I trust people I know because I found that people can make resumes look good, even if they're not lying on a resume. Um, You don't have to tell the whole story. You can tell the story you want. The the references you put are going to be people who are going to sing your praises. 
And so um, I'm just real cautious about that. I want to talk to people I know who can vouch for your character and your, you know, your experience and then kind of begin to, to navigate through that process. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I don't, I don't real, or I've, I've found that a lot of guys don't think about is the larger churches. And so another addition to asking your friends and stuff like that is we have a number of large churches in Dallas, of course, and one of the ways that we will look for staff to hire is those who are interning at their churches. A lot of times, even the lower level, let's say we're needing a student minister, well, one of the mega churches in the area may have a, um, let's say, a, a preteen minister. Well, they, they may be looking, and they usually are looking for that, you know, lead role somewhere, and they're ready to go. They've been trained pretty well at these other churches. The things that you have to deal with there, though, is shifting kind of the culture of being at a church that has everything to a church that doesn't necessarily have other things. The other way that I look for names is I ask around about who is, quote-unquote, getting it done. So if I'm looking for, say, a worship minister, I'll ask all of my friends who in the area is, like, really doing a good job kind of where they are. I tend to not look to hire people who are looking for a job. I'm trying to uh, maybe encourage people away from their current situation. I don't want to say steal people away from but. Every now and then you lead to you want you want to go poach you want to go poach yeah, I want to poach people, people. but the, but on the good side of it you know they they're le- they've led to their capacity they maybe want to take another step or their family life has shifted or their education level has shifted and maybe they want to get closer to the metroplex in order to pursue higher education something like that you know all these different variables and so you never know until you start asking people so I would say. You know, go to the larger church. And what I do is just I go to the larger churches and ask them, hey, we're looking for this position. Do you have some names? And a lot of times they have great references. Yeah. They'll give me a, a couple, you know, but I'm friends with those guys. I do trust them as well. So that's kind of so, my network. So, all right, let, let's go down this road just a little bit because there are a lot of mega churches. There are going to be more mega churches. Mm-hmm. The biggest churches are getting bigger. And, you know, there's all sorts of research behind this, um, tons of research. Uh, and, and whether you like that dynamic or not, I mean, that's a whole other topic. And we actually have talked about the megachurch down the road in an early podcast. You should go yeah. listen to that. A little, little plug there. But let, let's explore this topic because this will be more normative in smaller churches is to go look at the larger churches for staff people. So, I'm, Josh, you, you mentioned that one of the biggest issues with bringing someone on to a church that's a little smaller from a mega church is this cultural shift. So how would you deal with that? So let's say you're at a church, you've got two, 300 people, you're looking to hire your third staff person, mm-hmm. uh, student pastor, what have you, whatever position it is. And you're going to that mega church to, to do just what you said. What, what are some things to look for positive or negative? If, if that's an approach that you're going to take, you know, I heard, um, Oh, I just went blank on his name. Um, I heard a very well-known leadership guy who lives in the Nashville area talk about sort of some resume red flags. Y'all probably saw the thing. Um, anyways, he talked about this. And one of the things he talked about was what what the questions they're asking in the interview. And I found that to be true, too. So uh, we, di- we actually did this with a, a worship minister. We went out looking for a worship minister. We found one that we liked that was sort of the assistant worship minister at a large church in the area. We started talking to him. His ask should have been, the questions that he was asking during the initial interview processes should have been more red flags to me. There were a lot of questions about, 
well, when do you get raises? And how did these things Ooh. work? And oh. what, what are, well, you know, my family's really important. So how does child care with my family work? You know, there, there was Ooh. this expectation of a Yeah, difference. those are red flags. Yeah. Should have listened to them. That would have been better uh, come a couple of years later. But the issues that were arising there was a different mentality, a literal different mentality. In some of the larger churches, there's this idea that the staff are sort of an upper echelon. And for us, that's not the case. We're, we serve, we're servant leaders. And so trying to talk through that, I think those would have been the Eric Geiger. Eric Geiger's the guy who made that video that I was like, y'all should go look at his. Uh, hey, uh, Sam, are, are you familiar with Eric? You aware of who he is? <laughs> um, I recognize the name. I, I yeah, it rings a bell. Look him up. He he did a video like I, I don't know to you know today's date uh, is March twenty second. He did this a video a couple um, you know weeks ago. All right, all right. So yeah, Eric Geiger, G E I G E R. You should be following him, EricGeiger dot com. Yeah, he's guy. kind of a smart guy. He's a lightweight. He I bet if he wrote a book or two, it might sell okay. It might do decent. <laughs> So, yeah, so those are some of the things that we look for. And then we did talk through scenarios. And, like, so in this situation, this is how we expect. We expect, you know, for the family meals when we have our I expect my staff to eat last. I expect them to also sit with guests. I expect you. So walking through some of those expectations and kind of scenario-driven, kind of what would it look like in your current role? Well, this is what it would look like here. And seeing how those kind of jive together. Yeah, I think um, I'll be honest with you. I think we – we don't hire well in churches. Um, churches are predominantly relational environments, and so we tend to look for re- to, for the ability to establish some sort of relational connection. I like that person tends to be a, a greater driver for staff selection than are they the right fit and are they going to be able to serve in our context and culture uh, most effectively. And as a result of that, we don't provide clear expectations up front for what we want the position to do and to be. We don't offer clear objectives for, for how they're to do a good job in the environment. And then, um, you know, clear examples of how we're going to hold them accountable. By the way, this transcends paid positions. This is volunteer and sure. staff and uh, paid staff. We'll talk about volunteers here in just a second. And then as a result, we get in and we, you know, we get married to each other in a sense and there's mutual frustration. Everybody's upset because they're doing what they think they ought to be doing. We never clarified from the beginning, but they're not giving us what we thought they ought to be giving us. And so, we, we, yes, the relationship element is extraordinarily important. And that's why when I'm personally selecting a staff position, um, we do go through the interview process. They interview with me. They interview with different teams in our church, those sorts of things. But I'm going to put them in a position where I want them to be very casual and I want their guard down. We're going to go to a baseball game. We're going to go play golf. We're going to do something like that as part of the interview process because I want them to, to have their guard down. I want, to, I want to see who they are really coming out. So the relationship stuff does matter. But are we clarifying expectations up front? Do we have a very clear written job description, not just a template that we've copied from somebody else? Does it fit our church? our context? Does it describe what we're looking for? Does it explain what the benchmarks are for success and how we're going to hold them accountable? And uh, and have we done enough background? I'm, I'm stunned at how little background work churches do on potential candidates. I mean, this is why you have candidates who get fired from two and three churches in a row, and, uh, and we just hire them because we take their word on what happened. And I mean, I, I want to trust people, but I'm also going to trust and verify. 
Right. I'm going to go and do background on those employees and find out why did they get fired. You know, they've been fired from three churches in a row. Well, it's been the church's fault every time. Okay, maybe. I mean, that happens. But let's be certain that that's the case. Let's make sure we're not hiring someone who's been let go of two other churches because they've handled improperly child molestation charges or something along those lines. Right. We don't we don't do hiring well. We don't clarify expectations. We don't we don't do good enough background work. And as a result. And I think this is partly because we're not HR people, pastors who are often leading staff searches. That's yeah. just not who we're designed to be. So, so, so a couple of things. Look for the HR people in your church. That's right. So there's, exactly. There's got to be. There's got to be some lay people in your church that have some HR background. Well, I mean, and remember, they don't have to be a professional HR professional. They just have to be someone who hires people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are they exactly. A manager at an institution. Do they? Are they a principal at a school? I mean, who hires people? And they've got to. They've got to have some. You know some insight there. The other thing I'll add is you're talking about do your homework, do, do the background check. Um, go look at like the last year's worth of social media posts yes. and blog posts. Yes. So you will find a lot about how a person leads. You may not find about who they really are because the social media front that people right. put up, but right. you're going to find at least a little bit about how they lead and the types of things that, uh, excite them. And so if you see a lot of negativity, just a lot of anti whatever on right. Twitter or yep. Facebook, that is a huge red flag um for for anybody. In fact, I probably would not hire that person. That's if I right. go back and look at their Twitter feed and all that it is is I'm against this or I'm against that or can you believe this or look at this. The people out there who are trying to get hired by Sam's church are literally right now frantically <laughs> running to their computers to scrub their social media feeds. Yeah. <laughs> I love everybody. Yeah, I don't think everybody those people want to work for me. I don't think you have to I don't think you have to worry about that. I, I, I don't know, Sam. Add this. I think there's another kind of flaw that churches do when it comes to hiring. We don't hire according to our mission. And so there seems yeah. like guys spend a lot of time working on their mission and their vision statement and all that's great. I think it's to a certain level it's great. And then they run off and so th the church grew a little bit. You were the only paid position. And what's the first position they hire? Full-time worship. And then the next one's full-time youth. Well, you start asking them, well, what's your vision like? Well, we want to reach young families and plug them into small groups. Well, then why didn't you hire a children's minister or a small group minister? Wouldn't that make yeah. more sense to be the first full-time yeah. positions? Instead of, well, I think there's sort of a disconnect between, well, what's the first one you're supposed to? Well, you're supposed to hire a full-time pastor. And a youth pastor. Yeah, it just, that's. Then a minister of education kind of or a group's role. pastor. Yeah. yeah. We follow and, and a traditional like, staffing model. That's right. Right. An education minister or small group or discipleship, whatever you want to call it, ends up being like the very last role anybody does. And you ask nearly 90% of pastors are like, well, our main priority is discipleship. Not hey, uh, so the first, the first position we hired when I came to Brainerd was a discipleship pastor, Josh. So I just want kudos there. Yeah. Well, and, you did hire a I'm looking for a pat on the pretty back. Pretty decent one. That, that, that guy <laughs> you really got there. Good. He's pretty good, too. He's, he's a stud. Yeah. And my brother is planting a church in Nashville, and his first hire was a children's minister. Yes. Yeah. Well, that and in his sense. community where he's planning that church that's packed with young families, mm -hmm. what a brilliant strategic decision. Right. Yeah. It would be better it's, to have a volunteer. But, but I won't tell music. him you said that. You no. Know. <laughs> tell him he has to listen to the to the podcast. <laughs> Look how positive and nice we're being to everybody today. It's like everybody's just rosy and stuff. I really was about to say something about that awful Texas Longhorn over your shoulder, Josh, but I'm going to keep it quiet for right now. <laughs> it's a little nauseating. But, Sam, you know. earlier we were checking his mic, and he was like, keep talking, keep talking, I can't hear you. So I start singing <laughs> the eyes of Texas, and it finally uh, turned on. 
I blessed yeah. him this morning. I think that's why everything's so positive. So that's let's talk a, about this. Well, hang on, just I want to go back to this for just a second. Yeah. Be creative with your staff selection too, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know we're talking about being strategic in the order of which you hire staff. But think about it this way. Um, let's say you're – so at Brainerd, our strategy um, is deliver, disciple, deploy. And one of the first things that we thought through is, in terms of our staffing model is building three primary staff positions around the three elements of our strategy. Who's our deliver pastor? Who's our disciple pastor? Who's our deploy pastor? And assigning those roles to key executive team members on our church staff. And we've got a little bit more staff than, you know, than maybe a lot of churches do. But if you're a smaller church, you can use volunteers in those positions. But giving key top-level leadership to people um, in, in, in line with your strategy. And I realize a deliver pastor, a disciple pastor, a deploy pastor might not be names that any, any other church in the nation would use, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. So uh, it's, it's being strategic, not just in the, the order through which you hire staff, but don't necessarily just hire or, or just initiate staff positions because that's what all the other churches are doing. Right. What fits your strategy and your context? What I'm seeing is a lot of churches, particularly the smaller churches that have gone contemporary in their worship style, they're hiring part-time worship ministers. But they're doing it after, you know, we were completely contemporary and we had a full-time worship minister. It just didn't make sense for us because there's no no sheet music to pull anymore. There's no copies to make anymore. There's no choir practice. There's no – there's a lot of things that aren't on that plate anymore that we kind of shifted and – and it enabled us to hire. So now we have a ministry assistant, and all she does is move people from guest to member, from member to active member. That's her whole job. People is what we call it, ministry assistant of people. We were able to hire that when we stopped th- when we stopped thinking out of the, you know, at, in this box that, well, the next one needs to be a full time worship minister. And so I'm with you with the sort of creativity. We don't. We're, we're running out of time here, and we haven't even talked about how to fire. And that seems to be one of the sticky points. How do you fire guys or girls? Well, I fired a few, um, yeah. but they all deserved it. So yeah. uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Now, I, but Josh tells me he fires people who don't deserve it all the time. So oh, uh, well, yeah, it's the Longhorn thing. We fire people even if they're great yeah. and they have character and stuff. If they're Aggies, right? Yeah, especially if they're yeah. Aggies. So, yeah, I mean, you've you've got the whole like. You you messed up so bad that you can't work here anymore. Conversation, right? Uh, right. Which I've had, unfortunately, a few times. Um, you know the whole moral moral failure thing. Right. Um, but outside of that, so I mean, you you have you have that kind of firing, which is like you disqualified yourself. Cut, that's a little more cut and dry. Yeah, that that actually yes, it, it's um, people talk about oh man, you know when we went through it, it was like that must have been really hard, and I'm like, no, well. The, the church helping them heal that was hard but the actual decision no right. that was not hard they made that the for staff it. that are just kind of bad at their job or they're just lazy or something how do you do that well one i'm not i'm not so i'll just show my cards I, i'm i'm an equipper so you know if you go into an established church you're going to have and you have staff you're going to inherit some good staff and some bad staff likely or you know some mediocre staff um so my default is you know i don't want to go in and just let everyone go and bring on my team so i just i i'll just say right now i don't have that strategy never have had that strategy and long term i really don't think it benefits the church yeah and if i can um, add so, to that sam I, let me concur with you i think 
guys, if you're listening to this and you're going to go into a new church, that's a really bad strategy. It puts you at a deficit when you walk in the door. Your leadership has already drained the bank in terms of your your credibility. Even if you're right, they need to go. That's not the way to do it. That's not yeah, exactly. Speaking. Yeah, you, you burn so many bridges doing that's that. Right. Um, and, and really what you're doing when you do that is you're basically saying, I want a whole new church. That's right. You know, I, I'm going to replant with the people that are willing to stick it out with me. Yeah. Um, so you should only do that strategy in the most extreme of cases. But That's right. So you go in, you want to equip people. I give people a year and, and I tell them that, you know, I just say, hey, you know, let's just see how this goes. Um, you know, when I came to West Bradenton, I said, you know, I don't I don't want to let anybody go. I'm going to work with the people that are here and. And so uh, we spent a year just developing people, kind of shifting some people around, uh, actually rewrote all the bylaws of the church. Um, so I have no idea. Mike is making a face at me. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm mostly making it at Josh because he was making a face at me. So, All right. So I, I can't even concentrate. Anyway, equip. spend a year equipping people and yeah. see where it goes from there. And naturally people will say, hey, I'm not on board. But give me some time. Give me six mm-hmm. months, and I can go get something. And, th- and then you have a much better relationship with folks, and it gives you time to know who's going to stay, who's going to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do so in a way that really uh, – this is all about honoring God. Don't forget that. you got to honor the Lord with how you're treating staff. This is not a business, and it should not be treated like a business. Yeah. Yes, sometimes you have to let people go, and sometimes you got lazy bums that just need to be fired. But you got to document, document, document. You got to have a paper trail. You got to have people behind you, whether it's elders or personnel team, mm-hmm. to just to, just to fire somebody. So I would say never fire somebody alone. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Let me, let me say a couple things. Um, one, t- to add to what Sam said, remember we're the equipping business, right? We're in the people development business. Ephesians four, God gives us the task of equipping the saints for works of ministry. That's not just the congregation. That's also the people you serve with. To some degree, if you're firing staff, um, make sure that there's no element that you're the, one, you're the one who's failed that staff person, right? And so we have an obligation to invest in them and develop them and give them every possible opportunity to succeed. Having said that, let me just give you a few things you can do that'll help you tremendously that it's amazing to me how many how few churches do this. Create an annual review process for the senior pastor and everybody who gets a paycheck from the church. Um, and frankly, I actually am not, I'm actually a fan of creating a review process for every volunteer in the church, but that's another conversation for another day. You need an annual review process that includes, in my opinion, includes some basic competencies that every staff person needs to share, that includes some specific vision or strategy-related um, expectations. How, how are they helping? We ask every single staff member in our church to answer the question how they're helping deliver the gospel, um, disciple the believer, and deploy the church. And they have to show us every year in their staff position how they're fulfilling those three things. And then we have they the staff member has to provide to us written goals for what they're going to accomplish in the year. And I have to then provide, if I'm their supervisor or whoever their supervisor is, I have to uh, provide one or two written goals that they're going to do this year as well. And then they're going to be graded on basic core comp- competencies. They're going to be graded on fulfillment of strategy. And they're going to be graded on the, the specific concrete written goals that they that generally they, they're the ones who have provided. And we try and revisit that at minimum halfway through the year so that they're not just all of a sudden surprised and held accountable a year later. We want to make sure that, um, you know, make sure that we uh, 
that we're giving them every chance to find that, you know, uh, to, to meet those, those expectations. The other thing is, if you get to the point where you let someone go, it should never be a surprise to them, yeah. with the exception of moral failure. In every other instance, they should know. If that surprises them, they got all sorts of trouble. Well, I agree with that. But, I mean, it should never be a moment where the first conversation or or one of the first conversations you're having with them about letting them go is the, the conversation when you offer them a severance package or whatever you do. You should have met with them, given them a very clear list of expectations, ways in which they're falling short, given them a specific concrete uh, set of time, you know, time limits for when they're going to get this corrected, and then you meet with them again. They should never, ever, I tell every one of our staff members, when they sit down with me, those who I supervise, when they sit down with me for a job review, there shouldn't be a single thing in that review they should be surprised about. Otherwise, I'm the failure. Mm. And I'm just telling you guys, in my experience, a significant number of the staff firings, including one or two that I've been a part of, I've been heavily responsible and bear the brunt or bear the weight. And I've had to learn because of that to be a better supervisor. And I'm still not a great one. I'm still working through it. But a lot of this sits on our shoulders as the leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just add, and this is going to you know, be the last note, but that when it comes to the actual thing, when it happens, when, when it comes, you've warned them, you've walked with them, you've tried to develop them, they've ignored um, goals, maybe they, they're divisive or they are defiant, one of those sort of things. You've, there's not a nice, like if you're looking for the nice way for this whole thing to work out, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to pastor up and do the job. You're going to have to do your job. So I just want to encourage people when, when you go through those steps, you are acting in the best interest of the church and you need to keep that in mind, offer gracious severance packages, those sort of things. Always remember, you know, their family, maybe they're divisive and defiant, but their family didn't do anything wrong. So you want to take care of the family. But then at the end of the day, you got to step up and do the thing. So um, that's all we have the time for the show today. We are glad that you are listening in with us. We hope that you will join us again. A couple of ideas or some of the topics we've got sort of in the docket we're ready to talk about is we're going we're gonna to have a whole show on changing polity. We're going to talk about the elders and the committees and how all that kind of works together and maybe works separately. We're also um, got one queued up on church-based leadership development. So this is going to include some of the elements of what Micah was talking about with grooming leadership and hiring from within. Also the idea of, you know, theological education within the church. I want to give a shout out to Stephen Bettard, who is a pastor in St. Catharines, Ontario. That's in Canada, guys. There are people in Canada listening to the show. It's pretty cool, right? I, I think it's Josh's animal magnetism. Frankly, I think. <laughs> I think it's awesome. So if you're listening in Ontario, we think you are great. Be like Stephen. Follow us on the Twitters at EST Church, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.